0: Thank you, Jess and Caitlin. Absolutely love what God is doing in kids' ministry. It is, uh, it is incredible, and it was, as they just said, it was an amazing week here uh, this last week. I want to welcome all of you today, both uh, online as well as on campus, and encourage you, please grab your Bibles, as we say every Sunday. Uh, bring your Bible, whether it's digital or paper version, however you use it. Turn to Acts chapter 6, if you would, please. Acts uh, chapter six is where we're at this morning and, uh, we continue on in our sermon series called Impact. Uh, we've been doing it the whole summer and we've got a few more weeks to go as we study, we are studying Acts chapters one through eight. Of course, we're in Acts chapter six now, a few more chapters to go and we're, we're looking at this historical movement of this first church and how it, it got started and, and the different ways that God worked through everyday ordinary people like me and like you to profoundly impact their city, their country, and ultimately the world. And it's the same movement we get to be a part of today. And as we're going through the series we're we're looking at different attributes. Every Sunday we're picking out a new attribute. What was what was something that God had built into these people, this first church that we really want to, to capture in our lives as well today, both individually, but also as, as a church. And so Acts chapter six is where we're at this morning. And this morning, we're gonna be talking about the attribute of serving, the attribute of serving, which is on the face of it, we all know what we're talking about. We all know what that means, but it is, and let's be honest, this is something that is both countercultural and also can be very challenging to any one of us. Because we live, when we think about serving, we live in this tension, if you will. We live in a world where culture shouts to us, be great by getting all you can. But the Bible whispers, be significant by giving all you can. And this tension lies in all of us. This tension, this idea that we, we tend to want to be served more than to serve others. We love to be seen as a servant, but not necessarily treated like a servant. That we, we find ourselves in these situations where we all agree that serving is good, but we can prefer that other people take that more seriously than maybe we want to take it. That we, in our lives, that we, we recognize that serving can expose our heart and it can reveal spiritual maturity. So here's the question I wanna take on this morning for all of us. How do we become people who love to serve? How do we become people who love to serve? And what we're going to do is look at the early church, just seven verses this morning in Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, and how this this early church, an attribute of them, is that they love to serve one another. They love to meet needs and to care for each other. It was a high priority. They understood that when you serve one another, you're serving the Lord. This is something that, again, they took very seriously. They embraced the life posture of a servant. And to help us sort of capture this with a a saying that I hope sticks and just even just rattles around in your mind this week or in your heart on this idea of serving, I want to try to capture it with just two words. Two words that you would embrace in your own heart and life, two words that you would strive to live out day by day starting today— that captures what it means to have a posture of a servant. And here are the two words in your first fill in the blank this morning, you first. That's it, you first. In other words, you first, like like you go before the Lord and say, Lord, I want to serve you. So you first in my life. You first with my time, you first with my talents, you first with my treasure, you first with every part of my life. It isn't just I wanna live my life and, and sort of salt and pepper shake a little God on top of it. I want it all to be about you. So Lord, you first. Or how about family or friends or neighbors or strangers, people that you don't know to take a posture that says, I want to love you like Jesus loves me. And so I say to you, you first. You first. And that's what it looks like to take the posture of a servant. And this is exactly what we see in Scripture in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 4. Don't turn there. Just look behind me. Where the, where the Scripture is, and Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves. And everyone should look not only to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. In other words, You first. This is challenging if we really take these two verses and and we really sort of just let it just marinate in your heart in terms of what is this really calling me to do? This is challenging. This is a hard passage, hard verses to live out. But here's the thing that you and I know, I I believe, and that is not only is it challenging, but there there are a few things more beautiful then when you see a person who takes on the posture of a servant and serves other people in Jesus' name, you, you see it and you know it, and you say, "That's incredible." I read a story this week—a story about this guy right here. This is Bob Pierce. You can tell it's in black and white, so he's—he's he's not with us anymore. Bob past, uh, Excuse me. Bob um, uh, founded World Vision. We've most of us have heard of World Vision. He's the guy that started it. And he had a, an incredible and infectious heart for Jesus and to serve people. The story was shared that his, in, in, near the end of his life, he was fighting leukemia. And he decided to take one last trip, one last trip with World Vision before it was, it was pretty much over. In terms of his role with this organization he started. So he went to Indonesia. And when he was there, he was, he was there to serve and to encourage. And he went to this particular village one day, and he sees out in the distance, there's a river, and there was a little girl on a mat laying down by the river. And he asked, he said, what's the story of that little girl? And it was told through translators that this little girl has, uh, is sick, that she has cancer, and she's dying. And that her desire was to stay down by the river where it was cool. And so he walked down and he, he was there and he sees her and he turns around and Bob was angry inside. He's like, why isn't she at a clinic? Why aren't you guys doing anything? And they said, there's nothing more to be done. And so Bob gets down and he sits in the mud and he grabs this little girl's hand and he just held her hand and he began to pray over her, two people with cancer, two people that were dying and he's praying over her. And as he does, she begins to talk, and he asks for a translator to say what she's saying, and, and it says she just wants to sleep. She just wants to sleep. Well, Bob had a decision to make because he, in his pocket, and he pulled it out, he had his pills that were his painkillers. The things that would, the, the, the pills that sort of kept him going on this long trip, the pills that he knew that if he didn't have those, it was going to hurt but she wanted to sleep. And so he turned and he gave her, well, not to her, but he gave it to an adult there in charge and said, would you give these to her so she can sleep, so that she can be without pain for her final days? You see, we, we hear a story like what Bob did and those moments of sacrifice, those moments of you first. And we say, that's incredible. That's beautiful. And that's beautiful because that is a lot like Jesus. When we look at those moments, that's exactly how Jesus lived. That's exactly who he was and what he did. Look with me on the screen behind this verse, Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, where it says the Son of Man, Jesus talking about Himself, Himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. See, when you serve other people, when you say you first To somebody else, you're being a lot like Jesus. This is what we're called to be about. This is who we're called to be and how we're called to live. And so I want to ask again, our message for this morning, and our challenge this morning, how do we become people? How do we become people that say, you first, and I want to live a life where I serve other people. So hopefully you're in Acts chapter six. We're ready to jump in. Look at these verses here of this first church in Acts. Begin with me at verse one of Acts six. Where it says that in those days, when the number of disciples, initially enough that were disciples, this is the first time Christians are called disciples in the New Testament. So we have this significant sort of growth that's going on here. The number of disciples was increasing. And some estimate that the church at this time is around twenty thousand in size. Every chapter you keep reading about, it, more and more people are just are adding to their number. More and more people are coming to Christ. This is a large, large church. And it says that the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. Of food. All right, let's pause here real quick. So what's the scene going on here? You've got this this large church, massive size of people, people that are coming in from other cities, not only just from Jerusalem, people that are displaced, people that are, are maybe losing jobs because of being a part of the church, and so the needs are significant in this body of Christ to care for one another, to serve one another. And here we have a complaint that comes forward here because with the widows, those who had lost a spouse, the cultural expectation was that the family would take care of that person. But what would happen if that widow's turned and trusted in Jesus and the family said, well, we want nothing to do with you anymore. And so the church began to step into the role to be who the family was supposed to be, to pick up that mantle and to care for them. And so you have this daily distribution of food, uh, food system that's going on here, and some of them are being overlooked. For whatever reason, those that were Greek-speaking widows uh, just weren't getting the same treatment or the same amount of food or whatever the case may be than those who were Hebrew in ethnicity and language. And, and honestly, I love this verse. Now, that's a weird thing to say because it's a problem. But here's why I love this verse. Because if there's ever a picture in your mind that the first church was perfect, that they had everything figured out, that they, you know, everything was just rainbows and skittles, and there were no problems in the church. That is absolutely not true. This church had problems like every other church had problems. They had challenges and situations, and here we have a conflict that rises to, to the surface here. And you've heard it said, they say, if you want to be a part of a perfect church, find one with no people in it, and then don't join, right? Because where you have people, there you have problems, there's no such thing as a perfect marriage. There's no such thing as a perfect family. There's no such thing as a perfect church. Because it's filled with people. It's, 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 it has people in it. But I want to just add a little word to it. If you in your story, and maybe it's fresh right now, you have been hurt by a local church, by your church, the people you love, the places where you've worshiped, whether for a long or a short time, that's real. And that's hard. And that can be very hard to to get through and to get over. But can I, this morning, tell you thank you. Thank you for not giving up on community. Thank you for not giving up on the church. Thank you for being here, whether in person or watching online. We're not to give up on the bride, even though, There are moments and there are times when it's hard. See, here's your next fill in the blank because here's a key to this whole idea here is that the church, this first church, it wasn't perfect. There are no perfect churches. It wasn't perfect, but here's what they were they were victorious. They were victorious because as this church was forming and growing and moving and doing ministry, you can step back and you can actually see the evil one beginning to work and try to get in to make a mess of things. We're only at the beginning of chapter 6, but we see here already, we see how the evil one got in and began to attack this first church through persecution, and the church kept growing. And then the evil one, Satan, gets in. He begins to attack the church through sin in the fellowship. This was the account of Ananias and Sapphira. He begins to get in and to, and to do that. And, and what God begins to do and how he flipped the tables as the church grew more holy. And now we see a third attack going on, and that is to create division. If there was a way to create division among this group of people in the church and that group of people of the church, then the evil one is victorious but this is not what we're gonna see that will take place here. Look with me at verses two through four. It says, so the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. And we will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. I love this. The leaders of the church, you notice they didn't ignore the problem. They didn't go around and start blaming people about the problem. They pulled the church together, they offered a solution. They, they picked among them seven uh, people that were, uh, this, this criteria uh, is, is a high level, full of the spirit, full of wisdom. They're gonna build the A team here to go and address this needs. And here's why, because it's so important because what they recognize and what we see in scripture is that the church exists not only to meet uh, spiritual needs, but there's also the dynamic of physical needs, of practical needs that people have, of caregiving for people who are going through challenges. And this is what this team was about to do. This was the example of Jesus. I want to give us, just, just, just look on the screen behind me in James, and just try to echo this idea from another part of Scripture, this, another convicting passage here, where it says, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? And he gives this example. He says, Suppose a brother or sister was without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is it? Another convicting passage. How many times have you come across a need and you said, wow, I hope it goes okay for you. Hang in there. I'm sure it'll get better. But not step into that place, see a need, meet a need, and jump in and begin to serve. The example here, the need presents, the need in this church, this growing division that's going on, and they step right into that place. And they say, you know what? The daily distribution of food, we might say here at New Hope, a mobile food pantry, for example, or the caregiving ministry, that's really important. That's really, really important. So we need to step in, and we need to help here. And so let's continue on in verse five as we see the solution here, the resolution. It says that this proposal pleased the whole group and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. We get to, get to know him next, next Sunday. And also Philip, who's an important evangelist. We're gonna, later on, he's an Acts. Uh, procurus, another gentleman here. Uh, tradition tells us that he was John's secretary when the gospel of John was written uh, and that he was martyred later on. And then we have others, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenos, and Nikolas. That's hard to do. Uh, from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. And so you have this group of men that are chosen. Interestingly enough, by the way, all seven of these names are Greek names. Remember, it was the Greek widows who were being overlooked. And so who was selected? There was seven Greek men to step in and to lead this ministry. Verse 6, as we wrap up this passage, it says, they presented these men to the apostles who prayed And laid their hands on them. This is an act of endorsement and blessing. And so the word of God spread. And the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number, and this is fascinating, a large number of priests. These are are Jewish priests that are working in local synagogues around Israel and Jerusalem. A large number of priests also became obedient to the faith. It's a fantastic sort of resolution. They meet the need. The church continues to move forward. People's needs were met, and the Lord worked. So here's what I want to challenge us with this morning. I want to challenge us to adopt a you-first mindset. I want to challenge you to think through your life, what would that look like? What does that look like in my setting? Adopt a you first mindset and then start serving. And then start serving. And here's what you might find. You might find if this is new, that it's hard at first. It's sort of like adopting a new exercise program. At first it's hard, it kind of hurts. But the more you do it, the more you like it. The more you do it, the more you see God working. The more you do it, it kind of becomes contagious, You enjoy it, but it takes a first step. It takes a first willingness to step in and say, I'm going to do this. See, here's your next fill in the blank, an important key to all this. When you serve, you bring God pleasure. You do. When you serve, when you say you first, you bring God pleasure. See, serving is a way to worship. We love God as we love other people. And this is what we see over and over. Look with me again behind me, another passage. You don't have to turn there, but Hebrews chapter six, verse 10, as this unpacks it so well, where it says that God is not unjust. He will not forget your work. See, he sees, he knows, he sees the sacrifice. He sees the way you serve, even if others don't. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him. How? How, how, does, how do these people show the Father, show the Lord that they loved him? The rest of the verse. As you have helped his people and continue to help them. See, as you serve. Another part of scripture says, as you bring even a cup of cold water in Jesus' name to someone else to encourage, to help, to meet a need. You're doing that unto Him. You're serving Him. Serving is worship. Serving bring God's, brings God pleasure. And here's the best part. Here is the absolute best part. This is not a message that only applies to some. Your next fill in the blank. Everyone can serve. Everyone can serve. You can serve, I can serve, the person sitting next to you right now is able to serve. Everyone has something to give. God has gifted you with gifts, with passions, with abilities, with experiences with opportunities, with relationships. He's, he's planted you and placed you in a specific spot for a specific reason to use you in that setting with those relationships, the relationships you have, I don't have, and the person over here doesn't have it, and the person watching online, online right now has a different set as well. And so we have these uniquenesses about ourselves that we can in that place then you, be used by him to serve other people. And maybe, though, you hear that, and it's still like, but I'm still not sure where to serve. I'm still not sure what sort of next step to take. And really, it's just simply this. Look for needs, and then say, you first. Look for needs, and then jump in and say, you first. That's what it looks like. And maybe you're here this morning or watching online, and and, and for you, it's— uh, you're in a season of life where you have physical limitations. You can't go do very much and, and, and just it's just where you're at. That's okay. You can pray. You can encourage. You can write cards. You can do all kinds of things to bless people. Or maybe, and this probably applies to a lot of us here, maybe it's time restraints. It's the thought of like, I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to add one more thing to my calendar. But here's the beautiful thing about serving is you can do it as you're already going. You can serve the people who are already in your life, in your' busy. As you're already there going, and, and the people around you, family and friends and coworkers, those are all the people then that God could use you to serve. You don't need a title to start serving. You don't need anybody to give you permission to start serving. Jesus already gave it. You have permission. You can go. You can get started right now and do that. We are just to serve, to see needs, to meet needs. And I would add, not simply wait to be served and then reciprocate. See, you first also means you go first. I go first. Take the initiative. Serve even if it's never reciprocated. Serve those who can't reciprocate with you. Be open to what God has for you and watch how he will open doors that are amazing. See, my encouragement is that you and I view serving even in small ways as a really big deal. I want you to imagine with me for something. What would our church look like if everyone adopted a you first mindset. Imagine for a moment what your family, whatever your family dynamics are, what would your family look like? If your family said, we're committed to growing in this area, we're committed to growing in, in this idea of you first. What would your marriage look like? What would it look like if your kids began to grow and learn? And we know about siblings and all this stuff that goes on with that, but but began to learn and to grow of how, how can I say you first to my brother or sister? What could God do in your life? Imagine for a moment, what could God do in your life if you, like Jesus, said my greatest aspiration is not to be great, but to give my life away? and to serve. We know the scriptures say the first will be last, the last will be first. The person who says, I want to live given, and I want to say you first. And to take that posture, how would God work in and through your life if you were to adopt that? I am absolutely convinced that one of the reasons God is working so much in and through New Hope Church, and he gets the credit 100%, I don't take that for granted. But one of the reasons, not the only, but one of them, is because there are so many of you who serve. There are so many of you who are sacrificial with your time, with your talent and treasure, and and more. You roll up your sleeves and you serve. For example, uh, the church staff. We have a very talented staff here at New Hope. But the greatness of the staff... It is not their ability. See, the greatness of the staff is, while they all have a job description, that's the starting point. They serve above and beyond. They give more than is asked. They do more than is expected. They, they, they serve in their role because they're serving the Lord. If there's any staff out here this morning on campus, thank you. Thank you for how you serve. We have a church packed with ministry leaders, small group leaders who open their home and open the word and open their lives and love people and care for people and lead people. Thank you for how you serve those people. We, we have people in this church who will, at the moment a text goes out or a need is raised, will drop anything and will show up and will serve We have people that that serve in in behind-the-scenes ways that nobody ever knows. We have a family that comes and feeds the staff like once a month, which is incredible. No complaints there. We have people that just show up and just in small and subtle ways just say, I just want to love and I just want to serve. And so can I tell you this morning, thank you. Thank you for how you do that. Thank you for all the ways that you demonstrate that and you serve. And so as we close again, where do I start? Start right where you're at. And begin to pray and ask God, Lord, show me how I can love someone else right where you've planted me to be an impact in their life. If you're looking for other ideas, looking for other ways to, to get involved, especially if maybe you're thinking this morning, I would love to serve, I would love to do that in my church. And what I'm about to say is zero to do with recruiting volunteers. I'm not. But there is on your connection card a box where if you're saying, I'm looking for a place to get connected, and I do want to serve. Because you have something to offer. You're not here by accident New Hope Church. You have something to offer. We need you. And if that's something that's on your heart, you can use that connection card and check it's, it's somewhere near the bottom there. Check that box there. And there's a box in the lobby. If you're on campus, just drop it in there or watching online. You can use your chat bar for the exact same thing. We would love to, we would love to call you and, and, and just share with you about opportunities that exist for you to serve. Opportunities sort of like what we just read here in Acts 6 about uh, caregiving. We have a dynamic caregiving ministry here that serves people, whether at Adel Acres or during the week or visiting people praying for people. There's, uh, there's, there's so many other things, a mobile food pantry that's like that, a prayer team that uh, is active in praying. We even have, and maybe you've gone online to Alexio and you give and you've seen this, this, this item called Agape Fund. And you've like, well, what's the Agape Fund? Another way that people are served behind the scenes, that's just simply a fund that the elders use to meet needs. Sometimes people, it's, it's the electric bill that can't be paid that week or that month. Sometimes they just need a little extra support. Sometimes it, it just, it looks like all kinds of things. And so all these other ways that many of us don't even realize are happening, that people are being loved on and served. And you can be a part of giving to that as well. There's lots and lots of opportunities. So I'd like to invite the worship team to come on up if you would, please. Here's my hope. My hope this morning is that you will take seriously and that you will consider what does it look like to adopt a you-first mindset in your life. And I want you to recognize something, that there will be inside of you what will come out is a resistance against that idea. Because see, the old nature, the, the, the old Ryan, if you will, doesn't want to serve, wants to be served. That tension will be there. But in obedience, just to press forward, press through and to say, you know what? This is how Jesus lived. And this is what he's called me to do. And this is what I'm gonna choose to do. Love the people around you by serving them. Love your family. Serve your spouse, if that applies. The grandkids in your life, serve. The people that are around you, serve. And here's what I will promise you is that the Lord is going to begin to work in you and he's going to work through you. See, if you want to be a person who makes an impact in the life of someone else, there's no other way to do it than through serving. Can we pray together? I want to pray and just ask that the Lord would would, uh, help us to grow in this area, every single one of us. Father, this morning, taking on a topic that is well-known, and yet can be challenging. Lord, this morning we ask that through your Holy Spirit that you would enable us to live a life that looks for ways to serve, that looks for needs, that's willing to to step into those places where people are hurting. We know the needs around us are immense. We don't have to carry every single one of them. But Father, you do want to use our lives. And so I pray for each one of us, you'd give us the courage and the willingness to say no to self first so that we can say yes to you and to how you want to use us in the lives of others. We pray this all in Christ's name and everyone say.